Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Well, today we are kicking off a new summer series called The Church's One Foundation. Over the next few months, we will be in the book of 1 Timothy. The book of Timothy is one of three books in the Bible that we call prison, I'm sorry, pastoral epistles, pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus. They are written by Paul to two uh, different pastors, Timothy and Titus. But these books are not just helpful to the pastors. They are written as instruction for the church. So we will be spending the next couple of months over the next, over this summer in the, in the book of 1 Timothy, under the title, God's, I'm sorry, the church's one foundation. The church's one foundation. So if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Our reading today is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things or things about they make confident assertions. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, I simply come to you asking that you would open our hearts and our minds. Let us receive from you. I pray now, Father, that you will give me clarity of thought and speech. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is, what is the church? The church is simply the people of God. The Greek term for it is ekklesia, which basically means the called out ones. The church is those who have put their faith in Jesus, 
then they are called out of the kingdom of darkness, out of this world. They are called away from their old way of living, from their old ways of being in relationships with one another, and from their old ways of viewing their own time, their own money, and their own possessions. They are called out from their own way of thinking and their own way of doing things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it like this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So those of us who are in the church have been called out of the world to be set apart, to be holy, and to be blameless before God. We are called out to gather together into the family, the household of God, the kingdom of God. So God is calling us from one place to another to be his people, his bride without spot or wrinkle, his church. He is making all things new. So as the people of God, we're being brought together in his church, the household of faith, to be living examples to the world. Paul is writing this letter to the family of God to let them know what it means and how to live out this identity together. So the church comprises of people who've been called out in the world, called out of the world into the body of Christ to be a living example. So Paul put this letter together so the church will know how to live out this identity. I think about this. Over the uh, past years, I've spoken with quite a few people, and many people have said something to this effect. I feel so connected from the church. It feels like I'm not connecting with people. It feels like I'm just there. I haven't had a chance to connect. It feels like the connection that I had has been lost. And to that, I say, I understand. I say, yes, I understand. There's so many things that has happened in the church or in this world in the past couple of years. We've dealt with the pandemic. We've dealt with social distancing. We've dealt with masks. We've dealt with isolation, not to even mention the political stuff that's been happening, not to mention that there is a war going on, not to mention that there is senseless mass shootings happening. So, so yes, it's, it's been a tough time for people. It's been a tough time for individuals. And I understand that it's been so tough that we often forget that we are part of the body of Christ, that we are part of the church, that we are a family because so many things have been happening outside the church, and those things are trying to pull us apart within the church. So Paul is penning this letter to say that we are the family of God, and as the family of God, we need to be a living example. Those things have those things outside of the church have played such a big part that some of us even forget that we are part of the church. Um, it, 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 is, it is hard to, to, to look, to know that you're a part of something, but not feel connected to it. it, 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 it's, 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 it that's not a good feeling. It, it, it would be a bad thing for me to walk into my parents' house and feel no connection there. 
You know what I mean? Because those are my parents. That's, that's the house where my parents live, where my family meets. If I was to walk in there and feel no, no connection there, that would hurt my heart. And I know that it has to feel the same way for people who have walked into church and feel no connection. For we are a family. We are a family of God. And I simply believe that there's so many things that's happening on the outside that's causing us to think that we can walk into a place that we're supposed to be because we've been called out of and not feel connected to. It's the things that are on the outside that's pulling us, that's trying to take us, that's trying to cause us not to believe that we are truly connected to that particular body. It's those things that, 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 that want our attention more than we want to give. It wants more of our attention. So, so it seems like it's just pulling so hard because it, the, Satan's job is to divide. Satan's job is to try to make us feel like we're not loved. Satan's job is to make us think that people that's part of our family don't like us. He wants us. He wants division. But Paul say, no, that, that is not it. So let, let me be very clear. Let me be clear when I talk about the church. The church is not, in a, is not a building and it's not an event. Are y'all with me so far? The church is not a building and it's not an event that we attend. The church is a body. It's a family. It's a household that belongs to God. And as the household of God, the church is the pillow and foundation of truth. The church is where the truth is upheld, where it is honored, studied, taught, then applied to our lives. The church, the church, the household of faith, is where the truth is upheld and defended. So today we are talking about defending the truth. If the truth can be found anywhere, it shouldn't have to be, you know, they say they look for the truth in the court of the law, right? They're looking for the truth. But where the truth needs to be found is in the household of God. The truth must be found in the household of God. Let's look as Paul, Paul opens this letter in verses 1 and 2. And he, he gives this greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So he gets in, and Paul starts this letter. He gives a greeting. He, he gives this greeting. He tells the folk who he is. He says, listen, I am apostle of Christ Jesus, commanded of God. So he was like, hey, I'm an apostle. God said so. Oh, y'all see, listen, he said, commanded of God. God said so. God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ. So he greets, he tells him who he is. Then he says to Timothy, lets us know that this letter is to Timothy. And he calls Timothy his true child in the faith. What a name. What, what, what an honor. So Paul says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. That means that there are some false children. <laughs> he says that. He says he's my true child in the faith. So he's giving him, he's letting him know that I love you. You are my true child. You're my son. Isn't that something? Every man wants a son. Amen. Listen, every man wants a son to carry his name. Paul said, Paul said, Timothy, you are my 
true son. He's letting him know that he, he loves him. Listen, things change immediately. He tells him that you're my true son in the faith. And then he says, I, as I urge you, verse three, as I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. So now listen, I need us to understand. Paul just went from telling Timothy that you are my true son in the faith. Now he tells him, I want you to stay at Ephesus. Does anybody remember what happened in Ephesus? We, we've been in a series. We just came out of this series in, in the book of Acts. Does anybody remember what happened? Please, somebody raise their hand. Make me a day feel so good. If anybody could tell us what happened in Ephesus. Does anybody remember? Well, that's okay. I got a Bible. I got a Bible. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to Acts chapter 23. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Let's go back. I I want y'all to follow me because I want y'all to see where Paul is leaving Timothy. Remember, he just called him my true son in the faith. Now, let's, let's look at what was going on in Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance coming the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of emeritus, brought no little business of the craftsmen. These he gathered together with workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have made our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that God's made with hands are not God's. And there is danger not only that that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also the temple of the goddess Emeritus may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be disposed from the magnificent, she, uh, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So listen, they are upset in Ephesus that Paul has come in and preached another thing. Are you listening? He says that these gods that we make with our hands are not gods at all. Y'all know that this is how we make our money. This is how we got our wealth. So what y'all think happened in Ephesus? There was an uproar. There was a riot. Folk were not happy because Christianity was coming in and it was taking over their culture. And Paul says to Timothy, my son in the faith, you stay there. I love you so much. I want you to stay in the city where all hell is breaking loose. I want you to stay in this city where folk are mad about the gospel that we are preaching. Amen. Listen, I, listen, it, we think that Christianity is an easy walk down the road. It is for us who have been saved, but it's work. It is work. Everybody is not going to be happy about the message. I don't know who else was there, 
but he tells Timothy, I want you to stay in Ephesus. And not only do I want you to stay in Ephesus, let's, let's keep reading. I'm back in Timothy now. He says, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So what he's telling him is, I want you to stay in Ephesus and I want you to tell anybody. Certain people mean anybody. It does, it's no, no respect to person. Whoever it is, whoever is preaching a different doctrine, I want you to tell them to stop. Who, but listen, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines. He's instructing him. He's commanding him to stay there and tell anybody who preaches a different doctrine to stop. Listen to what he says in verse four. And nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than stewardship. So he's saying, listen to this. Don't, don't, don't. You stay here. And I want you to tell anybody who gets up and preaches anything but the truth to tell them to stop. I want you to tell them, hey, we don't have time for your myths. We don't have time for your endless genealogies. We don't have time for you talking about that stuff that does not produce fruit, but only speculations. I want you to stop. Can you imagine what that was like? Now, in, in, in those times, in order for people to hear false teaching, they had to gather together or somebody had to tell them. They had to get them. So it happened by word of mouth. They all had to come together and they had to hear this stuff. And when they heard this stuff, guess what they would do? If those that believed and had or those that had questions, they would leave and they would begin to talk about this outside of that. So so Paul tells Timothy what I need you to do. I need you to stand there and I want you to 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 preach the truth. Don't get caught up in what they're doing. But you preach the truth. You defend the truth. And that's what the church has been called to do is defend the truth. We are to defend the truth, to stand up against false teaching. So that's what he was telling Paul, telling Timothy to do is to stand up. See, times are different now. Those people had to gather together. But the day and time that we live in, we don't have to gather together to get false teaching. There's something called social media. It's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even Netflix, podcasts, news stations. You can get false teaching from anything. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. I have never in my life seen so many doctors who ain't been to school nowhere. If you want to know how to handle any ailment, go online. Everybody got a cure for whatever's ailing you, but ain't nobody been to medical school. Everybody can tell you what your problem is. You just go in there and put a list of diagnoses. How you feeling? Headache, backache, and, and I promise you, you click enter, and in 30 seconds, you're going to have all kind of answers, and, and the majority of them, not going to be from AO. Not going to be from Baptist healthcare. Going to be from some joke around the street that ain't barely finished high school. Are y'all with me? So, so false teaching, he, these people had to gather together. We now, the church, we have to fight against social media. 
We have to fight against the things that are, 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 are so easily and readily available because I can get mad today and say something. There are a few people that think what I say is right all the time. And I can post it on social media and I have at least 10 followers, at least, I know. I know at least 10 people are going to say, Willie said it, so it got to be right. And I could be wrong as all get up. I could be out of my mind, but somebody's going to say, yeah, that sounds right to me. Y'all, that's, that's the world that we're living in. That's the world that we're living in. So the church has to defend the truth. The church has to say, no, 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 sweetie. It may sound good, but that ain't right. The church, the church has to stand up and say, no, 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 that ain't the truth. The truth is that Jesus died for our sins and rose again on the third day with all power in his hand. They but one way to God, and that's Jesus. That other stuff sounds good, but the church has to stand up for the truth. Amen? So that's what he was telling Timothy. You got to stand up for the truth. Why, why do we stand up for the truth? So we can be right. Is that why we stand up for the truth? No, because we know that if people listen to false teaching, guess what happened? They begin to live false lives. They can't live the life that God has designed for us to live. Look, look at the next verse. Look at this. Before, before we go to the next verse, do you know that some of us, including the guy standing here talking to y'all can sometimes read something and almost think it's true. If I ain't careful, if I ain't careful, I can read something that sounds good and say, you know what, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. If I'm not careful. And guess what? I'm not by myself. I'm not by myself when I say that because some of y'all that did not nod y'all head, y'all rat with me. You see something, you say, oh, man, that, yeah, that's, that's close. I mean, I mean it's, it's almost right. It sounds good. So you take it. And guess what happens? I can take bad teaching, bring it in the church, stand in this spot, and say it, and somebody be like, yeah. Yeah. Are, are y'all following me? I'm just telling you how easy it is. I don't care how long we've been saved. I don't care how much of the word that we know. If we ain't careful, it'll jump on us. Amen? If we're not careful, so we have to know the truth. That's why the church is the pillow of truth, the foundation of truth. So we have to know the truth. Listen to this. Verse 5 says this. No, let's go back to 4. Let's go back to 4. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promotes speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. Listen to this. So they leave with questions rather than receiving the truth by faith. Hello, we come here, we come here. Yeah, listen, our Christianity is, is, is on faith. It's based on faith, y'all. Hey, how, how many of y'all believe that he's coming back? Amen. Listen. Amen. Listen. So it's faith that it takes. But what happens is, listen, I, I don't have to know everything. Me and Sonia was driving down the road yesterday, and, and she said to me, uh, uh, 
do you think heaven will have this? I don't remember what she said. And I was like, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait to see. Listen, she, she was asking me a question. We were looking, and I was like, son, you know, sometimes I begin to think that because when I go by and I see all this beauty, I see trees, and I'm like, I wonder in heaven that that's going to be cleaned up. You know, I begin to think these things. So my answer to that is that we're just going to have to wait to see. Hello? I'm, guess what I'm doing? I'm a stewardship of the faith, of the truth that I've been taught. And that's what we have to be. We have to be stewards of the faith that we've been taught. Listen, all I know is that he's coming back. And there's going to be heaven on earth. Are y'all following me? That's all, that's all we know. We, listen, I don't know when. It's proof that don't nobody know when, because a couple years ago, y'all remember 1999? Does anybody remember 1999? Folk were taking money out the bank. <laughs> Are y'all following me? Folk was like, oh, man, the world going to end tonight. You know, man, look, 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 1999, when, when New Year came in in Australia, I was like, we going to be all right. <laughs> Are y'all following me? I was watching because, it, you know, New Year's happened over there first. <laughs> and when New Year's came, when 2000 rung in over there, I was like, okay. Okay, I was waiting because, listen, people had said so much about 1999. The world, the world was going in in 1999. My granddaddy, who lived in 2009, told me that when he was a little boy, they lived in South Carolina. My granddaddy said, when we was kids, we knew in 1999 that we would be flying around in spaceships. That's what he said. He was like, there wouldn't be no more cars. There wouldn't be no more automobiles. Everybody would have their own spaceships. That's what he said 1999 was going to be like. But when he died in 2009, we were still driving cars, y'all. <laughs> Are y'all following me? That's the stuff that people say. And it, and it sounds good because 1999 for him seemed so far away. So by then, certainly, they would have spaceships that everybody would own. So here it is. Here it is. So it is myths that people have walked away with. It is these endless genealogies that people have walked away with, and that's what they have held on to instead of the truth. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So what he was saying is that the reason that we got to defend the truth, how do we defend the truth? We defend it in love from a heart. Listen to this. Love that flows from a pure heart, issues mean where it comes from, issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So we are not just trying to be right so that we can say we're right. Hello? If we're not, we don't want to be right just so can I, I can say I can tell you. Does anybody have a little bit of that, that I told you in them? Do, does any of us have that? Every head in here should have been like this. Because we all got a little bit of that I told you. I told you. You should have listened. Listen, that ain't the reason we want to be right. Just so we can say I told you. We want to be right because we... Re- because we realize that if you don't know the truth, it will cause you not to live the way God designed for you to live. If you don't know the truth. 
Look at this. It says, our charge, the aim of our charge, the instruction is love. We ought to teach from a place of love that flows from a heart, from a pure heart, from a pure heart. Listen, listen, y'all. You got, to, you got to know the truth yourself. You got to know the truth yourself because that's the whole point Paul was talking about. These people are boldly preaching wrongly. They don't even know what they're talking about. That's what he said in verse 7. They don't even know what they talk about, which they confidently speak about. They don't even know it. So we got to come from a place with a pure heart. Watch this. And he says, a good conscience and a sincere faith. So we got, we got to believe what we preach. It got to come from a pure heart. That's what he's saying. Listen, and it comes from a heart of love. See, I'm not talking about the fickle love. I'm not talking about that mushy, mushy, kissy, kissy type of stuff. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about love that's willing to sacrifice, love that's willing to put people, others above themselves. Do y'all know that I am a good-looking man? Yeah, some of y'all nodded with me. I like that. But don't y'all know that I get on Sonya nerves? She, listen, she loves me, but she ain't always wanting to be kissy-kissy with me. Are y'all following me? That type of love got conditions. If I'm happy with you, I kissy-kissy you. If I'm not happy with you, I don't want nothing to do with you. Are y'all following me? But the love that, 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 that God is talking about, that Paul is talking about, man, this is self-sacrificing love. This is love that, that will say, you know what? I will do this for my brother, that, that I care, that I want my sister to know the truth. So we do this out of love. My daddy told me one time, son, I'm doing this because I love you. He was disciplining me. He was taking my car from me because I had not followed one of the rules that he'd given me. So his explanation was, son, I'm doing this because I love you. My response is, don't love me so much. (laughs) That is us. That is us. We only want the love that makes us feel good. I'm saying that to say this. It's not love if we see wrong and don't call it wrong. Hello? If it's wrong, we call it wrong. That's love too. See, we think love just is making people feel good. Sometimes love means that you're going to have to push back against things that people think is right because we know it's not right because why? We know the truth. Are y'all following me? Because we know the truth. I hear me outside. The, my, okay, okay, okay. Thank you. Because that, that, is, that is truth. We know the truth. We know what the truth is. And that's love. And so we, we say these things to people because we love them. It is so easy for us to just say, well, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to be mean. I'm not going to say that because that's not nice. Sometimes love is hard. Amen. Sometimes love may mean that you're going to upset some folk. But we do it from a place of love. We don't do it so we can feel good about ourselves. We do it because 
We love them. See, when false teaching enters the hearts and minds of people, especially those in in church, it ruins any chance that we have of being the people of love. We don't love one another like we should. We don't communicate with one another like we should. And the next thing we know, you're posting something hateful on Facebook, upsetting your brothers and sisters. Y'all following me? All in the name of trying to be what's trying to be right. We're called to love people, not just to prove a point, but to demonstrate how we're supposed to defend the truth. Man, Jesus gave us a perfect example of how to defend the truth, how, how truth and love goes together. Watch this. You know how Jesus handled people who live contrary to the truth? He befriended them. He did. Does anybody remember that Jesus ate with tax collectors? Yeah, they were living contrary. Y'all, y'all remember Jesus chatting with the prostitute? Yeah, y'all remember that? Y'all, y'all remember how Jesus handled the woman who was caught right in the midst of adultery when the religious leaders brought her to Jesus and they said, now this woman was caught right in the midst of adultery. The law of Moses clearly states such a person should be stoned to death by the community so that her guilt can be purified from the people. After reminding Jesus of this law, like Jesus wouldn't know the law, they say to Jesus, what say you? What you going to do about this, Jesus? She was caught right in the midst of the act. Jesus does not entertain them. Jesus begins to tell a story, and as he tells this story, he defends this lady in love. So he gets down and he tells a story and he says to them, you without sin cast the first stone. Bible says one by one, they begin to walk away. Jesus looks up and says, no man condemns you. She says, no, sir. He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Listen, now somebody might say, well, you teaching us that that all all we got to do is just don't worry about sin. Everything going to be all right. No, 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 no. The law of God requires that the the debt for sin is death. Are y'all with me? It's death. Jesus paid the price. Jesus already paid the debt for sin. That's the truth, brothers and sisters. That is the truth. We got to defend that truth. Jesus paid the debt for sin. So here it is. He paid the debt. Not so we'll understand that you can't, you can't, you just can't do anything. Speak the truth. Sometimes there's a price that has to be paid. And it may may mean that everybody ain't going to be happy with you. But we ought to speak the truth in love. Look at verse 6 and 7, and then I'm done. Verse 6 and 7 says this. Certain people, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions. Does anybody know anybody that get caught up in this kind of stuff? That get really get caught up in, 
all this kind of stuff. I don't listen, I'm finna say something. I don't care where you fell on the side of this year's uh, of the previous election. I don't care what who you voted for. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. But I'm telling you, I received so many emails from people that thought that this election was stolen, that it was fraud. I received so many emails from, from one particular person trying to help me understand, trying to persuade me that the election was stolen. I don't listen. Listen, I don't care. I don't care where you fail. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes you can be so caught up into this stuff. Brother, listen. If it's not right, you can be so caught up that you spend all your time trying to prove something that, listen, that, that the country has moved on from. The whole world has moved on from. I don't, listen, listen, it is so easy. That's just the election. There's other things that people are so caught up in that they believe that this stuff and it's vain discussion because it's not the truth. The truth is this. Amen. The truth is this. This is the truth. Everything else, we can't get caught up in those other things because it pulls us away from the very thing that's important, that's true, which is the word of God. Amen. That's the truth. It says this, verse 6. They've been, they, listen, they were, they were swerving from these. What's these? From, from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere face. They have swerved, swerved, swerved away from these, have wandered away into vain, vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Sometimes we can get caught up in stuff because somebody else said it, and it's not the truth. The only stuff that we can, this is, this is the stuff that we can stand on right here. This is it. This is the truth. We can stand on the truth. We can defend the truth. Listen, we do it in love. We defend the truth in love. This is the word of God. This is the only thing that's going to save you. This is the, listen, this is the only thing that, that's going to bring what you're looking for. We say it all the time in our confessions of fear, uh, uh, confessions uh, of when we go to God and we pray, our prayer confession. That we, we, we've done our own thing. You know how we do our own thing? We swear away from the truth. And we get caught up in our own things. No, nobody wants to admit that, but the truth is, y'all, we, we do. We get caught up, and before we know it, we act ways that we shouldn't. Because it's not flowing from that pure heart. The issue of love is not flowing from our pure heart. So listen to this. Paul encouraged Timothy to stand in Ephesus to speak to defend the truth as the church. As the household of God, we are to speak, defend the truth with love so that we can all grow in maturity into the body of Christ. We are to train one another on the foundation of the gospel truths about who God is and what he has called us to do. Sometimes it's hard truth, but all needs to be motivated through love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to be defenders of your truth. Father, we pray that as we speak to others, 
and we tell them with confidence that we are telling them your truth and not something that we have grabbed hold of or something that we, that we want to be true, but it is your truth. So help us, Father, to, yes, have hard conversations. Yes, Father, speak to those who may not understand, but help us do it from a heart of love with a pure conscience, God. Help us, God, to be people of sincere faith, people who hold true to your truths, not so we can say we told you so, but because we truly understand that those who follow false teachings are living false lives and can never enjoy the truth and the lives that you have designed for us to live. Help us to be living examples. Help our church to be a light in a dark world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.